0: There's a call comes ringing or the restless the send the light. Send the light. Send the Hello light. and welcome to another episode of the Send the Light Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Tyson, here with my co-host and good friend, Evangelist Michael Bolden. Brother Mike, I think you've been pretty busy lately, right?
1: <laughs> a little bit.
0: Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you've got going on since you moved here to Iowa?
1: Well, obviously we've started this podcast and I'm super excited to be here with you every week to talk about the scriptures and God's kingdom. We have studies with the majority of the congregation, and we have Zoom studies going on every week at least four times a week uh, with international br- brethren, in, mostly in Asia. So I managed to to stay busy.
0: you doing your free time. <laughs>
1: yeah, right. <laughs>
0: Well, it's all good things, and as always, it's encouraging to hear of, um, you know, the the seed being sown and, and the gospel being spread.
1: I'm thankful to be a small part.
0: Yes, sir. We're so glad you've tuned in today with us. Our hope and prayer is that we're able to help bring relevant, important Bible topics to your attention and explore what the Bible has to say about these topics. If you're listening or watching and you live here with us in the waterloo cedar falls or surrounding areas we'd love to have you visit with us we meet uh, at 2543 cedar terrace drive in waterloo you'll find us there sundays at ten thirty a.m and wednesdays at 7 p.m we also have free resources that we can send you we have bible courses by mail uh, and we also love to study the Bible with folks in person. So feel free to reach out to us on our website at www.cedarterracecoc.com, our Facebook page at Cedar Terrace C.O.C., or the email address and phone numbers listed on the screen or in the podcast notes. Brother Mike, last week we talked about the idea of having a fear of god and what that means to us kind of some practical application for us today right what are we talking about today
1: today we decided after some prayerful thought to talk about the romans road to salvation and why it's wrong so we already go ahead and just go ahead and throw that out there
0: you're already giving it away Yeah, it is a very, very prevalent uh, teaching throughout honestly many denominations. Um, I think it started out mainly in just maybe one or two and it's just kind of spread from there. Uh, I'm not sure if you're familiar. Are you familiar with the website gotquestions.org? I'm
1: very familiar, yes.
0: There's some, you know, okay stuff on there. I use it to reference here and there. But it is a primarily a a non-denominational website. There are the people that, that contribute to that site are admittedly you know they agree they they state on the website they're non-denominational so i looked up what they had to say about the roman's road to salvation i'd like to just quote what it is that they say and then we'll kind of go through it and, and see what the bible says so this quote says the roman's road to salvation is a as a way of explaining the good news of salvation using verses from the book of romans it's a simple yet powerful method of explaining why we need salvation, how God provided salvation, how we can receive salvation, and what are the results of salvation. The first verse on the Romans' road to salvation is Romans 3, verse 23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all have sinned. We've done things that are displeasing to God, and there's no one who is innocent. Romans 3:10 through 18 gives a detailed picture of what sin looks like in our lives. The second scripture on the Romans Road to Salvation is Romans 6.23 that teaches us about the consequences of scant sin. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The punishment that we have earned for our sins is death, not just physical death, but eternal death. The third verse on the Romans Road to Salvation picks up where Romans 6.23 left off, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5 verse 8 declares, but God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus Christ died for us. Jesus' death paid the price for our sins. Jesus' resurrection proves that God accepted Jesus' death as the payment for our sins. The fourth stop on the Romans' road is Romans ten nine. that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Because of Jesus' death on our behalf, all we have to do is believe in him, trusting his death is the payment for our sins, and we will be saved. I don't want to take note of that. We're going to address this um, unfortunately very false uh, premise. Romans 10, verse 13 says that again. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Jesus died to pay the penalty for our sins and rescue us from eternal death. Salvation... The forgiveness of sins is available to anyone who will trust Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. The final aspect of the Romans' road to salvation is the results of salvation. Romans 5 verse 1 has this message, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ, we can now have a relationship of peace with God. Romans 8 verse 1 teaches us, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because of Jesus' death on our behalf, we will never be condemned for our sins. Finally, we have this precious promise of God from Romans 8 verses 38 through 39. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, nor the present, future, nor any other powers, neither height nor depth, or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our lord end quote
1: those are some beautiful passages of scripture
0: and it's it's so unfortunate that many of those passages are taken out of context there's there's a lot to unpack here that was a a hefty quote (laughs) and i'm just going to say it with a lot of false doctrine
1: very much false doctrine
0: so let's let's talk about this so so the romans road was kind of a, a quick and easy plan that was intended for people to learn so they could quickly rattle off some scriptures and tell people how to be saved. I was actually reading an article, uh, and I can't remember the guy that, that claims that he was the one to coin it. But that was really what the, the premise was, is just throw some passages off in an elevator with the person you're sitting next to, and they can right. be saved before you even get to the third floor. And that's just not the gospel that we read about in scriptures.
1: Sadly, it's not. Uh, it misses the mark of the whole book of Romans, actually.
0: Mm-hmm. So let's talk about, you mentioned the book of Romans. Why don't you talk a little bit about the kind of the purpose, the message, what what Paul wrote Romans, uh, and why he wrote it.
1: So I've, I've done a little bit of research into this, and from my current understanding, um, first. First of all, most books in the New Testament that the Apostle Paul is credited for having written, he wrote them to correct an error in the congregation, something that was wrong in the congregation. We think of 1 Corinthians, uh, this is a big one. We think of Galatians, Paul starts the letter off to the Galatian churches with a, with a very strong rebuke because of error that was in that, in that church. Not so with Rome. Rome, being full of people, of course, I'm sure it had errors, but that wasn't his purpose in writing the book of Romans. Um, it's more or less a doctrinal essay. It's it's as if he was writing uh, a thesis for a, a doctoral degree or, or a master's degree in religion. Um, I'm I'm part of a I've I joined an app, an uh, uh, online... Set in called Academia, where you can read academic papers that men have written or that people have written, to obtain a degree. You know, a higher degree in higher education for academic related topics, and and the the spectrum on that site is huge, from science to Uh, literature, to history, to religion, and of course I'm mostly interested in religion. I've used it prolifically, I've learned a lot from them, Um, but it seems to me like Romans, the letter to Roman, to the Roman church, could fit into that niche, into that category very easily. Another reason I understand from the book of Romans is that he wrote to provide unity to the congregation or our path to unity to the congregation. I don't know if many people realize that Rome was made up it was an international city and the church at Rome reflected that international aspect of the city. There were Gentiles there in the church and there were Jews there in the church um, and because of the differences in the Jews and the Gentiles and, and their upbringing and their, their cultures, there were some conflict. We don't really see that conflict spe- specifically addressed in Romans, but he does uh, talk about uh, everyone being equal or on equal footing before God, Jews and Greeks alike. So that seems to be God is equally available to all who obey him. Of course, that kind of flies in the face of of the Romans' road that, you know, all we have to do is believe and confess. Obedience is a key factor. And Romans teaches that obedience is necessary. Romans teaches that repentance is necessary. Paul says that we are not bound by sin, that we should stop sinning and abstain from sin. Romans pictures Jesus as the Redeemer. I think that is a key element. Jesus is the Redeemer. Jews, of course, would want to reject Jesus. But the book of Romans provides an a academic, logical, philosophical path from the Old Testament to the New Testament to picture Jesus Christ as the Redeemer. And I think that the theme of the book of Romans is found right there in the first chapter. Romans chapter 1 um, verse 16 and 17, and then I'll, I'll stop. <laughs> Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17 tells us, I, Paul states, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, in the gospel... The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. He quotes that from the book of Habakkuk in the Old Testament.
0: I, I agree with everything that you've said. I I wholeheartedly believe that there's such a powerful element of the gospel surrounded in the book of Romans. Now, some brethren believe, and I, I tend to lean this way myself, is that uh, at this point, Paul's looking uh in in a way Romans is meant to be kind of like a resume. Right. And these people in Rome, um, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know that they had ever met Paul before. Maybe some of them, but maybe some of them, but but this is Paul's opportunity to share with this church at Rome, who will be incredibly useful for future efforts in Spain, right. what the gospel that he's intending to preach is. Which obviously we know is important. We're not going to invite Joe Schmo off the street to stand behind our pulpit <laughs> and spread a gospel that we don't know what it is. And so I think that's part of part of what's going on here is that he's trying to <clears throat> tell tell these Christians who are in Rome, this is the gospel that I'm I'm preaching to you.
1: It's difficult to say that this or that is the main reason. I think we bring all those reasons together, and certainly if you read just like 14, 15, and 16 chapters in Romans, you you can get the idea that Paul is writing um, an application letter or or resume letter, as as we might call it, to uh, present himself to the church at Rome, to introduce himself, because he plans to travel there. So he wants to be able to go there and be able to work with these brethren as someone who's known and trusted. And he plans, apparently plans... To go from rome to spain and other parts in europe and use rome rather than antioch which he had been before mm-hmm. as his home base
0: yeah absolutely i think he, he referred he talks about that romans 15. right the kind of the last last few verses 22 through 29 talks about his his intentions there He uh, even says in, in verses 24 and 28 of specifically referencing you know going to uh-huh. spain so, I think an important aspect to remember, many many people, for many people, especially those who advocate for the Roman's road, the idea comes up, faith versus works, and the, the idea that faith is all you need. In fact, in, in that message that I, I had just quoted the, the, from the gotquestions.org, he says, Jesus Christ died is died for us jesus's death paid the price for our sins jesus's resurrection proves that god accepted jesus's death as the payment for our sins he says in romans 10 13 for everyone who calls on the name of the lord be saved Uh, salvation the forgiveness of sins is available to anyone who will trust in jesus christ as their lord and savior and and i think that is taken incredibly out of context faith is important but Paul is writing to a predominantly Jewish uh, group of Jewish converts who were still, really, they were putting their faith in Old Testament laws and Old right. Testament practices. Right. And I think that in the beginning, in, in verse, I think it's verse 1, yeah, verse 1 of chapter 3, what advantage then has the Jew or what is the profit of circumcision? You know, there's the works. That, that Paul's referring to when he's discounting what you know the power of works is so this first passage that we talked about was Romans 3 verse 23 for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God now let's let's just take each one of these passages is that taken out of context or is there uh you know is that untrue is that false teaching
1: the scripture is pretty clear all means everybody. Of course, we have to understand who this is speaking of specifically. Now, there are many people today who would say uh, a baby is born in sin. They called this inherited depravity or some other term such as that. That uh, we inherit a sin nature from Adam and Eve, from our first parents, and this is passed down. Well, Sin is not biological. That's that runs into a counterintuitive problem right away. The sinful and, nature. The sinful nature is it's 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 not biological. It's a spiritual nature, and we don't inherit spirit. Now, you know, true, we can be trained and taught evil and learned evil, or or you know we may suffer through certain circumstances that cause us to turn evil or or we may just give in to the desires of the flesh until we become evil. But the fact of the matter is we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This is an Old Testament precept as well as a New Testament. Isaiah says this um, as well as the Apostle Paul. So when we say all have sinned, we have to understand what sin is. Sin is a deliberate choice to go against God's will. Mm -hmm. Now... A baby can't do that. I'm sorry. Uh, An infant in the womb is incapable of choosing right from wrong. That's just not not scriptural. Ezekiel 18 plays into this. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 7 plays into this. Psalms 51 plays into this. These, These passages, even from the Old Testament, show that God is just. That he is fair, that he is uh, righteous, and has given us a free will—we uh, call it free moral agency—and so sin is not an inherited nature; it's a spiritual nature that grows in our hearts and in our minds. Now, mm-hmm. uh, to how how deeply that becomes embedded depends on the individual. We all sin when we choose right. When we choose wrong over right, a child can't do that. Mm-hmm. An innocent child, before the age of accountability, can't do that, whatever age that is. it's They don't understand what's going on. And God will not hold them responsible.
0: Jesus several times talks about the purity and the innocence of children.
1: Let the little children come unto me.
0: Yeah. Whosoever shall cause a little one to stumble. Yes. Yeah.
1: This is... Such is the kingdom of heaven.
0: So we can agree that Romans 3, verse 23, we can agree with that. We've right. all sinned and come short. That's right. Now, all these passages that, that people use regarding the Ro- you know, the Romans' road to salvation, they're still inspired in holy words of God. Yeah. It's just a matter of have they been taken out of, out of its proper context or not. Romans 6, verse 23, for the wage of the second passage mentioned, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I would I would tend to say for this the, the same thing as the first one. You know,
1: I think we'll discover, even if we don't fully address it in this session, that the gift of God is a free gift, but that we have something to do to contribute to that.
0: I've heard many times the idea that if I gave you a free gift of $100, which I'm not, (laughs) not right now. But if I gave you a free gift of $100 in the form of a check, you have to then do something to receive that free gift. Would you say that you have earned that gift because you now have to go do something to enjoy the benefits of it?
1: There is a certain element of involve, of work involved on my part to enjoy such a gift as that,
0: but it's still a gift. I'll
1: provide right. you my address, after <laughs> you,
0: you can. I'll, <laughs> I'll write you a check. It might bounce, but I'll write it. <laughs> but but there is something, an element of of. There's something we have to That's do right, and and so so absolutely, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Interesting thing. And we talked about this earlier. The Romans road jumps from Romans chapter 3 to Romans chapter 6, verse 23. Let's read the first seven verses of Romans chapter (laughs) 6 and see what we've skipped over.
1: We've missed something. We've
0: missed something.
1: Very important. You want me to read it? Yeah, go for it. Okay. Uh, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should be no longer that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin.
0: And even verse eight, I didn't didn't notice it now if we died with Christ, we believe that we also shall live with him. Now, that seems pretty, this this group of passages here seems pretty significant. And in my opinion, this kind of begs the question, can we be saved outside of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection?
1: Impossible.
0: Impossible.
1: But that's what this says.
0: But this literally tells us, do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? We were buried with him through baptism, that just as Christ Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. This illustrates that when we, when we decide, when we repent of our sins, we believe in, in the, the Bible and the, the word of God, the yeah. gospel and the power therein, We're ready to confess Jesus Christ as the Son of God and and be buried with the Son of God in baptism.
1: Many people will decry an idea of a works-based salvation. We will too. But like we talked about with the joke about the check, there's something that we must do. Mm -hmm. It's not something that we earn that puts God in debt to us. God doesn't owe us anything it is a free gift his son Jesus Christ our Lord being crucified is a free gift we cannot earn that he graciously that's the picture of grace has given that to us but there is something that we must do it is a condition of salvation and to deny that there's something that we must do flies in the face of Scripture flies in the face of the actual Romans road. (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, one thing, somebody said this, and I've used this several times. Faith only is found one time in the Bible. Do you know where it's at?
1: In James. Yeah, in James. And it's preceded by?
0: Yep. You see in James, uh, let's see, James 2, verse 24, you see then that a man is justified by works and not... by faith only only. that's it that's the only place in the new testament you see faith only or any kind of illustration of a faith-based salvation and in earlier in verse 17 of the same chapter Mm -hmm. that's also faith by itself if it does not have works it's vain is dead yeah it's dead it's vain but someone will say you have faith and i have works show me your faith without your works and i will show you my my faith by my works right and that is that is the crux of it is we're demonstrating our faith by our by our obedience you believe there is one god you do well even the demons believe (laughs) you know and that's yeah so we we understand the wages of sin is death and the gift of god is eternal life in christ jesus the third passage romans 5 verse 8 but god demonstrated his own love toward us in that we were Uh, While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What do you think about that?
1: I think that goes back to the idea of God's great grace being displayed to us on the cross. It's accurate. Mm -hmm. The Apostle Paul, I mean, who am I to judge the Apostle Paul, right? But this, this fits in with the rest of the New Testament theology, that God, when we were sinners, when we were removed from him, Apart from him, opposed to him, God gave his only begotten son to die on the cross. That's the picture of grace. That's the picture of the free gift of God Mm -hmm. that he gave his only begotten. God's done his part. He gave his son. Jesus has done his part.
0: It's up to us to do our part.
1: Now our part has to be done.
0: I think about with these passages that we've read so far it makes me think of a quote and i wish i could remember who i heard that said it they said uh the best false doctrine is iced with truth that's right and and that's what i think about with this is and, and many false doctrines taught in the world today is you know they throw an element of truth in so they can point to the bible and say oh no, no, no it says it right here
1: it's scary how easily it can be stuffed in there
0: yeah So let's move on. We've got two more passages we want to explore, and I tend to think these will uh, take up the rest (laughs) of our time. Romans 10, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Mm -hmm.
1: I have a question.
0: What's your question?
1: I thought it was faith only. Where does confession come in here?
0: That's a good point. That's a very good point.
1: So no works is, is confession not something that we... I'm sorry I'm being a little sarcastic, but confession is something we have to do.
0: We have to be consistent with the scriptures. Amen. And, and the fact that, you know, we should all desire truth. That's, yes. And it's relatively easy to, to find holes in this doctrine of the Romans' road to salvation. Once again, it's a new doctrine it's, it's right. something that you can point to and find an origin and and we want to look at the look at the bible look at the scriptures yes and find our conversion experiences this passage uh, is really it's plucked from the middle of a discourse um and and many of these many of these passages are the in verse 10 romans 10 verse 10 for that the heart one believes Unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Is there any word there that piques your interest?
1: Um, Believes and confession both do. But then, what's righteousness? What's it opposed to?
0: Evil? Unrighteousness? Yes, Yes. I think a significant part in this passage is the word unto like that what does that mean
1: from something to another something
0: yeah to me to me when i read this passage for with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto or on the way to salvation yes as if there's more there's more required what about the idea of repentance you know, people, people use this. This is what they teach as the way to salvation. Do these people also teach, I and mean, in your experiences of dealing with them, do they teach that repentance is necessary for salvation?
1: Sometimes. Um, it's pretty inconsistent in my experience, um, but it's not inconsistent in the Scripture. If we go back to Acts 2, verse 38, the very first word that Peter says in response to those people's inquiry, men and brethren, what must we do? He says, repent. That's the first thing that he does. Now, we might read in there that they've already believed and they've already begun repentance, but he is encouraging them to make a full repentance, a change in their hearts and in their minds.
0: Paul, Paul mentions in several places the importance of repentance. Yes. In fact, in Second Corinthians, 7 verse 10 for godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation not to be regretted but with the sorrow but the sorrow of the world produces death um in acts 3 verse 19 there's there's a passage there that talks about the importance of repentance repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so repent therefore and be converted what is that word converted mean or illustrate
1: change Mm -hmm. something new is going on something new is happening
0: in second Peter 3 verses 9 and 10 the Lord is not slack concerning his promise as some count slackness but is long suffering toward us not willing that any should perish but that all should come to what Repentance. repentance it's relative, you know, it, it's easy to to demonstrate the importance of repentance on the road right. to salvation as as Paul illustrates in 2 Corinthians but but people that advocate for the romans road illustrate this passage in romans 10 verse 9 and says that you need confession and belief
1: they leave out the rest of the word of god mhm
0: What other
1: thoughts do you have on that? Just going on, it says, um, for the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. It's verse 11, verse 12, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is over all. over all, is rich to all who call upon him. I'm emphasizing that last phrase, call upon him. And then he quotes uh, from Joel, Verse 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved.
0: And that's actually the last passage in the Romans Road. Yes. What do you have to say about that passage? Is there any...
1: It almost requires a whole podcast. Um, I would agree. <laughs> the, the idea of calling on the name of the Lord, most people interpret that as prayer. Mm-hmm. It's not prayer. If we studied the book of Acts, if we look carefully and honestly those potential converts were never told to pray. Just take the day of Pentecost, for example. They were told to repent and be baptized. And the Lord would add them to the church, to the kingdom. Our idea of calling on the name of the Lord should not ever include praying. Calling on the name of the Lord means that we obey his word, doctrine, his, we obey his word. Go ahead, i cut you off.
0: No, no, that's okay. I, I was going to mention that there are people, and I've, I've personally talked to people that point to, um, you know, we, we have a, a huge, huge selection of passages and just in the book of Acts where we can see examples of conversion yeah. after conversion after conversion, and they're all consistent with one another. Um, you talk to some people, who pull out different people? You know the, the the obvious one is the thief on the cross. <laughs> that's that's an obvious one. The other obvious one is Saul. They say that Saul was saved on the road to Damascus, but we we know that that's not true because I mean, Paul himself illustrates that. You know, um, Paul did. I, I have no doubt in believing that Paul believed. In Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus.
1: So, for a person who believes in faith only, they would have to conclude that Paul was saved on the road to Damascus. Mm-hmm. That's, that's their logical step. I, I agree with you that that was not where he w- became a Christian.
0: In Acts 22, when he's making his defense and, and really trying to save his life, he says, he, he illustrates or, or recalls his his mm-hmm. experience, meaning Jesus on that road to Damascus. He says in Acts 22, verse 10, So I said, being Paul, so I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said, arise and go to Damascus, and there you will be told all things which are appointed for you to do. And then you can continue to read through some of his experiences between then and what when he was told what to do by ananias he says and now why are you waiting and ananias says this and now why are you waiting arise and be baptized does it say there to have an outward sign of an inward change no no he says and wash away your sins calling on the name of the lord and that's the scriptural pattern we see that's right there is Action that we must take. We have to demonstrate our obedience to the gospel.
1: So, go back into that passage in Acts twenty-two and the other accounts where Paul, where it's recorded in Acts of Paul's conversions. He prayed and fasted for three days. Mm-hmm. If prayer was it, that would have oh, yeah. that would have done the trick. But it didn't. Mm-hmm. And Ananias, the gospel preacher, came to him, instructed to by the Spirit of God, and said, Arise, wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Talking about being baptized, being obedient to that command. Mm-hmm. That I, I think that knocks the idea of believing and confessing only. I think that kills it. Mm-hmm. That's... That that answers the question.
0: So, when I talk to people about salvation, and and not salvation, any aspect of our worship or Christian living, I want to be able to point to the scriptures and say, this is why I believe or practice, you know, this certain whatever. We obviously, we do that. Mm -hmm. We worship all the time when we point to scriptures to show why it is we do what we do. Right. This is not entertainment. We are here, like we talked about last week, we're here to worship an almighty God, and we, we have to do it the way that he wants us to do it. That's the same with salvation. And so I want to look at examples in the Bible of people being saved, and then I want to do that. That's right. Do you know what you can't find in the Bible? Somebody being saved by the Romans' road to salvation. That's
1: right. I was fixing saved by praying through, but (laughs) yeah, that's that's a denominational word, that phrase that we used to use.
0: There's obviously the example of the thief on the cross, which we know was first of all under old covenant jurisdiction. In addition, Jesus Himself was the one that offered the forgiveness of His sins, and we know that Jesus has the power to do that. He did that with the religious leaders when he said, which is more difficult to do, to, I can't think of the reference, You'll forgive me, you know it's, it's to say to this man, arise and walk or your sins are forgiven you, but so that you know that the son of man has, has the power, power to forgive earth. sins Yes. you know, so we know that Jesus had the power to forgive sins, he can forgive that man if he wanted to, and he did but I want to find people that are like me, Jesus isn't here standing in this room saying today you'll be with me in paradise Matt, uh I can just look at the scriptures and find what they did. And I'm going to do that. Do you actually, and we've spoken about this in the past. There are, there's one prominent Baptist preacher who stood at a conference back in 2012 and, and basically stated that the Romans road to salvation is damning. He said, how many people have we led astray? Because we've tried, right. we've, we've taught a false doctrine. He said there is no superstitial prayer found in the Scriptures. <laughs> this is a very prominent person. And there's others that have made similar statements right. before. And So I don't, I don't know what it is if there's maybe something going on where people are reconsidering it, if there's more conversations taking place on, the, on that false doctrine or what it might be.
1: We can always hope And I hear things from other of our brethren who, you know, have traveled in places that people are are finding truth in the scriptures. And they have the same desire that we do. We want to do what's revealed, what's shown to us in the scriptures. and The pattern is so, it's so strong. Uh, Romans Road is not not the pattern. Mm Mm-hmm. The gospel plan of salvation is the matter.
0: What's the gospel plan of salvation?
1: Um, first of all, the idea of being saved. What does that mean?
0: Well, I don't think it means... I think a lot of people think being saved as far as not going to hell. I think, personally, I think there's more to it than that. A lot more to I it. I think there's an aspect of, I want to be with my Savior.
1: So, obviously... Romans 3.23, mm-hmm. all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. Death there is is akin to being judged and going to hell. So being saved means that we're safe from that. We're safe from God's judgment. Mm-hmm. Whatever that looks like in, in reality, we're safe from it when we are saved. We have been delivered or protected and the Bible road to salvation, as I've said already today, has certain conditions that are necessary that we that we do. Mm-hmm. Just like with the check thing. If I take that check and deposit it, then I have the money, right? But if I throw it on the top of the chester drawers and it sits there, it just sits there and grows yellow with age and and I have nothing. nothing. Yeah. I have nothing
0: did Saul when Saul met Jesus on the Damascus road did he have to do something
1: oh, absolutely yeah. he he wasn't even told he wasn't even told what it was the angel didn't have the authority to tell him what it was God sent a preacher mm-hmm. to tell him what he had to do
0: and that when well, Jesus even said that to go and find what you must do Yeah, like there was an That's action right. required
1: there's something that he had to do. And Ananias told him, wash be ba- and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord.
0: And we see so many illustrations about baptism and the symbolism. We, we read a passage earlier here in the book of Romans about that regarding the symbolism between baptism, washing away your sins. There's also... There's also passages Drawing a blank.
1: Uh-huh.
0: The like manner also.
1: First Peter three twenty one.
0: Yeah, that's where I was at. I must have looked over it here. Yeah. There's also an anti-type which now saves us baptism, not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers having been made subject to him. That's that's the pattern.
1: That's right. So the gospel plan of salvation, one has to be a sinner before they can obey it. Mm-hmm. That's just it. I, I'm sorry. A, 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 an infant hey. is not... Don't be sorry. ...is not... <laughs> right. They can't. They cannot obey. Uh, The son is not guilty
0: of the sins of the uh,
1: father. Right. We do not practice infant baptism because it is not scriptural. It is not scriptural because one who is that small and innocent cannot sin and therefore are not sinners.
0: And infant baptism actually has some very dark uh, origins in Catholicism. Yes, they do.
1: If he brings it back. Maybe that could be an episode for <laughs> future that Sounds like fun. Um, the next thing one has to do is believe. And I think Romans 10 helps us out with that. Believing is important. We hear the Word. We believe the Word. We believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, as John chapter 3, verse 16 teaches us. And as Mark 16, verse 16, Jesus puts this simple little equation. He who believes and is baptized, so belief is an absolute necessary part of the gospel plan of salvation. But that's not the end; that's only the beginning. One must repent. Jesus said in um, Matthew ten, verse thirty-two and thirty-three. No, that's confession. I'm sorry. In Luke thirteen, in Luke thirteen, he said. If you repent, unless you repent, you will likewise perish. Repentance or this this change of mind, and repentance is really a change of mind. It's a change of mind toward who God is and toward what he wants. Mm-hmm. One must confess. Make this good confession. Matthew 10, verse 32 and 33. If you will confess my name before men, I will confess your name before my father which is in heaven that takes an ownership that takes a responsibility and then it's culminated as you read first Peter three twenty one in baptism. Baptism also saves us.
0: You know some people might take what you've just said and, and what many of us have said and mm-hmm. say, well you're doing the same thing that that people that advocate the Romans road. You just took this passage and that passage and that passage. But I think it's interesting or relevant to recognize that different people are being addressed in each of those different passages. But those aspects in my, the plan of salvation, can be found in conversions taking place in the book of Acts. Right. That's how it's done. Every single time. Show me one that wasn't.
1: So one of the problems with the Romans' road is that it doesn't take the whole counsel of God. And that would be my defense to that to that charge. I believe that I'm taking the whole count, taking everything that God has said, that God has revealed in His Word for our salvation, not what man has said, not what somebody, not what the church has said, even what the Word of God says. Mm-hmm. That's what we're eventually going to be judged according to.
0: I Hundred percent agree. Do you have any final thoughts before we close today? It's been a lot to think about.
1: Um, I hope that we can talk about calling on the name of the Lord soon and maybe even talk about the sinner's prayer. Yeah, These are popular uh, ideologies that are believed by televangelists and, and uh, people whose videos show up on YouTube, some of whom I follow. I like some of their ideas and some of the things that they say. But these are very dangerous doctrines that are just, that are just slipped in uh, into the cake. Yep. You know, it's got yep. the pretty icing on it that makes it look good. But when we step back and really understand what God has said, they're not telling the whole truth. Mm-hmm.
0: I think it's important to recognize that the Bible illustrates that false teaching will come from, from what we consider to be well-meaning, right. well-respected people. And that's exactly what's happened with, with this and the Romans Road is people have come in with dividing doctrines, spreading heresy, and those people look respectable and lovable and, and like upright Christian leaders. I, I know that these topics, topics like this, sometimes it can spark some pretty strong emotion. But if you're listening, I want you to understand that that emotion is not not aimed at you. That emotion is aimed at at the devil and, and those that have brought these destructive heresies into religion.
1: I am so thankful for a platform like this where the whole counsel of God can go out in the mass media it enables people to see what the truth actually is, and then make judgments and act accordingly.
0: Absolutely. friend this has been a very brief overview of this topic. Have you previously placed your faith in Christ through the Roman's road? If so, this should spark some uncomfortable feelings of doubt regarding your salvation. But you don't have to doubt your salvation. 1 John 5 verse 13 says, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. We mentioned a passage today, and I wanted to end on that passage to lead into perhaps a future discussion on one's ability to lose their salvation, which is one of the passages in the Romans wrote, It leaves the listener thinking that once they're saved, that they're good to go. But this says that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God, and other passages illustrate that we have to live righteous lives. Paul says that he runs the race. He says, I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. If anything in this episode has sparked questions regarding salvation, Christian living, or other topics, please reach out to us. We'll be happy to try to answer those questions with the Bible as our authority. Tune in next week for another episode of the Send the Light podcast, where we discuss relevant and important Bible topics and explore what the Bible says regarding those topics. Once again, if you're listening or watching and you live here with us in the Waterloo Cedar Falls or surrounding areas, we'd love to have you visit with us. We meet at 2543 Cedar Terrace Drive in Waterloo. You'll find us there Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We also have free resources we can send you, Bible courses by mail, and we also love to study the Bible with people such as yourself. Feel free to reach out to us on our website at www.cedartarrascoc.com, our Facebook page at CedartarrasCOC, or the email addresses and phone numbers listed on the screen or in the podcast notes. I'm your host, Matt Tyson, here with my co-host, Brother Michael Bolton. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next time.
1: Thank you, Matt.